Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Good morning, everyone. It's a good day, right? It's a good day. Right, can you put my slides up for me, uh, Steve? They'll be really good. Um, I tried to find an Afrikaans word for dad. I hope, I hope it's up there somewhere. Um, so uh, there's, uh, there's um, Otosan is Japanese for uh, dad. Uh, Vata is German, I believe. Um, Papa is French. Uh, Vader, is that right? Is that how you say it? It's close. It's close. Um, there's Baba. Uh, there's a, in fact, it's amazing how many of the languages have Baba as um, their name for father. So who, who among us um, has your dad passed away? Who, who, whose dad's passed away? Wow, a lot of us. Eh? So, so today is quite a special day. I wrote on my Facebook how I remembered my dad. My dad passed away, I don't know, 12 years ago or something. And um, <clears throat> this time of the year, I'm, I'm really quite emotional actually about him because uh, I think back to all the stories that he would tell and the things that we used to do together. And, uh, you know, I want to pay, pay uh, respect to my dad today because a lot of the stuff that he put into me at early age is paying dividends today. And I'm sure that's true for you as well. But I, I do realize that um, when we talk about dads, not everybody had a great dad like I did. Um, a lot of people have had bad experiences with, with father. Um, and hopefully I want to portray the picture of what a real dad is, um, and I'd like to talk about our Heavenly Father today. But, you know, the first thing that I realized is not everybody sees God as a father. The question I ask a lot of people is, what image do you have of God? Um, and, you know, some people see God, uh, well, does anybody remember the shack when the shack came out? It was this, uh, like, um, a wave swept through the, the, the fundamental Christian church throughout the world because suddenly there's God being played as a black lady um, in a kitchen. And there she is there. Anyone remember that movie? And what was so profound about the shack was that it forced you to suddenly see or engage with God in a different mindset, with a different reference point. And it's important to understand that not everybody sees God as a father. Some people possibly see God as a mother, or some people see God, they don't know. I mean, the question I'd like to ask you today is, when you pray, what do you have, what picture do you have in your mind? Interesting, because the pictures that we carry or we create about people certainly determine how we engage with them. And I loved the shack. I loved it because suddenly there's this big black mama who sat him down and said, now, I want to tell you that it's all going to be okay. And for that guy, he needed a big black mama God. And sometimes you need a big black mama God, right? And sometimes you need a big warrior, commando, Bruce Willis God, right? And some of you sometimes need other pictures of God. But the picture that the Bible talks about the most, and certainly the one that I've come to really understand is God the Father. And so I needed to ask myself a question. This is uh, the question of, do I see God transactionally 
or do I see God relationally? Now, what do I mean by that? How many of you go to work for a living? Okay. You don't go to work because you have such a great relationship with your boss. You go to work because you've agreed in a contract that if you work so many hours, he'll pay you so much money, right? Now, you might end up having a good relationship with your boss, but he certainly isn't the reason why you go to work, correct? Now, that's a transactional relationship, and you'll be amazed, actually, that majority of the relationships that we have in our day-to-day living are transactional. We meet someone because, actually, we want to get something from them, and so we usually do it under the guise of having coffee or being nice, or, but there is no such thing as a free lunch, as they say. Is there, Steve? No, no, there isn't. Because I always pay. <laughs> Trans- but, but not only do we have transactional relationships, but we then view the Bible transactionally. We take our view or our, the way that we conduct relationships and we superimpose that upon the Bible. So obviously the Old Testament was fairly transactional. God said, you obey these, these laws and I will bless you. You do this and I will do that. And so the Old Testament was predominantly a transactional relationship with God. It wasn't one where people loved and felt in love. In fact, those love words are very rare in the early parts of the Bible. The words that come over more and more is obey, obey, obey. Because it's based on a transactional relationship. Are you you with me? Now, of course, what was so exciting with the power of the cross, the power of Jesus coming, was that suddenly we broke with transaction and Jesus enters into history with his, uh, as a little baby, and he comes in and For the first time ever, we see God pursuing man. It broke the transaction. Now Jesus is coming to us, but he's not looking for anything in return. He's coming to us to break a transactional mindset. And so then everything that's post the cross can no longer be viewed transactionally. It has to be viewed relationally. But that's difficult for lots of people that have never really had a non-transactional relationship. A lot, of mo- a lot of kids grow up today saying that if I want this from dad, I need to do this for him. I must obey what my dad says all the time so that I can have. And they grow up in a family based on what I call Old Testament transactional relationships. And so what I want to invite you into for a few moments is to come on a journey with me to discover what a relational relationship with God the Father would look like. Because that, in essence, is the truth of the message of Jesus. That he came to abolish the transaction and replace it with a relationship. It's funny that if you've talked to people that have no religious background at all, certainly in the UK, and you ask them, what is the image of God? What image do you think they get? The most overwhelming image is that of Father Christmas. You better think twice. You better be good. You better. He's going to find out if you're naughty or nice. The Santa Claus is coming to town. 
And we are taught that Santa Claus doesn't give you a present because he loves you. He gives you a present because you've been good. But don't laugh too loudly because that actually is how we see God a lot of the time. We come to church, we go, oh good, I can the Holy Spirit's going to be all over me because I've had a good week. I haven't been naughty, I've been nice. He's going to give me some gifts. Think about your Christian walk. How much of your early Christian experience was actually based in transactional? May I, may I kill a few holy cows? One of them being that if I want something from God, perhaps I should fast. Because if I fast this much, I get that much. If I've got a headache, I can pray, but if I've got cancer, I must fast. We treated God like a vending machine. And depending on how much big, how big the ask was, was a bigger price. And you had to find more money to put in the slot. How many of you lived a Christian life like that? And what we did then is we superimposed the fact that we couldn't just have an elder pray for me now. We had to have the pastor because he has more credit for my vending machine than the elder does. So I bring the guy with the highest credit to pray over me. And yet we have millions of Christians still believing in a Father Christmas God. The wonderful thing about the message of Jesus is that he took you from a slave mentality, which is transactional. I do, you give. Which is based actually in fear. It's the fear that if I don't perform, you don't pay. And he replaced us with a sonship mentality, which is I do because I love. And God gives because he loves. Welcome to the journey on the Father. I, under, I really do believe, I, I meet a lot of uh, people. I spoke at an entrepreneur's conference this week and talking to some guy. And you could see just everything about him was he wanted to prove something to the world. Desperate to prove that he could be a millionaire before a certain age and have a certain type of house. And the more it went on, the more I realized that actually he was trying to prove something to his dad. But his dad had passed on years ago. I felt so sad for him because not only would dad never see this, but he'd never know if his dad truly was pleased because he's caught in a transaction that can never, ever pay. And the message of the cross is that you can never pay for what you did or didn't do. There is no transaction that can pay for your salvation. And that is why Jesus came, because he was the only one that could give us the salvation that we need. And that's the relationship that we have. Don't you love these pictures of dads? I guess I didn't really understand the father heart of God until I became a, a dad myself. Does anyone remember that first moment when they give you that little pink thing and they stick it in your arms? The reason I brought my kids today is so I can have one last go at embarrassing them before they never set foot in church again. Um, they actually asked me, what can I buy you for Father's Day? I said, well, you can come and hear me preach and that will be good enough. So there they are. Give them a round of applause. So I remember getting this bundle of pink thrust in my arms and realized that this little thing, I, I am totally responsible for this little thing. And my first overwhelming thought was, I am so under-equipped for this job. <laughs> 
like me, they gave it to me. Do they realize I'm still a kid? <laughs> um, you know, I didn't feel an adult at all when I had that little kid in my arms. And then when the second one came, oh my gosh, what were we? We should have gone for the puppy. And you, you realize how vulnerable this little kid is and how ill-equipped you are. But the other overwhelming emotion that comes with this is that at that very split moment, you would give your life for this little bundle of pink. And it's just crazy because it doesn't compute in my conscious mind, but suddenly something internal kicked in that said, this is how God loves you, you bundle of pink thing. And I got that understanding that he just lay there and looked up and wasn't too worried about this guy not knowing quite what was going to happen. Being a dad was, a, was an amazing journey. It still is an amazing journey. Now just the price tag gets bigger. Teaching your kids how to ride a bike for the first time. Seeing them come home from school in tears because of somebody doing something. And you want to pick up arms and do civil war. Anyone been there? You suddenly become Rambo, you want to walk down and you're going to take everyone's head off. And have your wife calm you down in front of the teacher and say, yeah, you do. Well, that's the truth actually, I was just being kind here. And then going to sports day and seeing them win every race, you wish. And, but the thing about being a dad and having kids is that I didn't love them any more today than I did the moment they came in my arms. It's just the weirdest thing. Your love doesn't grow. It just, it's got, it became so big it just couldn't change. And that's when I understood that I, for a long time in my life, had treated God transactionally. Brought up in a Pentecostal home. Well, I was taught that you put a suit on to go to church because it's the house of the Lord. And you put a suit on if you went to see the queen, wouldn't you? And I was taught that you can't buy anything on a Sunday because that will offend God because God said that you must not work on the Sabbath. And I was taught that you couldn't go to a cinema because you mustn't be in the, in the world but not of the world. I was 18 before I saw my first film. And my whole world was based on a transaction that I had to obey God. But it was only when my kids came into my life that I realized that there was nothing this child could do to make me love it anymore. And that it doesn't matter what this child ever does in its life. And believe me, they can do some crazy things. You'll never be more proud. And then to see them playing and with you and worshiping God with you, well, that's just another bonus. And so we have to learn that the Father treats us exactly like your parents loved you. Now, whether your dad was good to you or not, your mom was good to you or not, I do believe that deep down in every parent's heart is this desperate love affair for their kids. And I believe God has a desperate love affair for you. And the more that you settle in to that desperate love affair of God, the easier you'll understand this life to be. 
What is his nature like? I'll put some words up here. All of these can be found in the scriptures. He's a counselor, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. He's generous to a fault. Did you know that? God is the most generous God. The God of the universe is the most generous. If you want to know that, go to the Drachenberg Mountains and just look around. It's pretty generous considering he did it just for you. I remember I went, went away on a trip once to America. Kerry and I were in, in America. And one of my sons said he wanted a globe of the world. I can't tell you how many miles we did trying to find a flipping globe for this kid. You remember? We went everywhere. In fact, we lost a whole day trying to find this globe. And that reminds me that God sometimes just puts stuff out there just because you like it. And he went out of his way to make something happen just because he wanted to see a smile on your face. Is that the picture you have of God? Because sometimes it wasn't mine, but it's becoming mine. You turn the corner and suddenly that one song comes on the radio and I realize it's not fluke or chance. It's the God of the universe having a little chuckle. Because God's like that. Love that scripture that says, even if you as evil, Matthew 7, 11, even if you as evil knows how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those that love him? He's good gifts for us. And he doesn't expect anything in return. Isn't that cool? His nature is the provider. He's the counselor. He's patient. How many know God through patience? Have you ever been patient with your kids? Have you ever been impatient with your kids? He's unconditionally loving. He knows what you are like. And this is something interesting. Sometimes my kids would do something, and I just know what they're like. I, I know what's going on in their heads. Because somehow there's a bit of me that's in there. Even today, when they try and pull off practical jokes, I kind of know what's coming. Because there's something of the Father that carries on in each one of us kids. Did you know you're made in his image? We're going to get to that in a minute. He's slow to anger. How many of you may, have, you may not have experienced a father that's slow to anger, but this father is incredibly slow to anger? And you know, when he gets angry with you, he doesn't kind of write you off or throw you out the room. He just sits you down. Because I've had God the Father do this to me a few times and say, that really wasn't good, was it? But you know what? We're going to do better tomorrow. And that's how the Father deals with us. And yet you never felt that his love was ever removed from him. In all the times that he chastises us, he never takes his love away. The shoulder to cry on. I love that one. But there's a powerful word that we need to really understand if we're going to know about the Father. Interestingly, how many of you believe that if God is the Father, then we are sons? And if we are sons, that makes you and I brothers and sisters. Did you know that? So do you really see each other as brothers and sisters, or are you still transactional? Hi, how are you? How was your day? Good. See you next week. Transactional. Brothers and sisters cannot be transactional. They have to be relational. 
doesn't matter if you get on with each other, you're still brothers and sisters, right? You don't get to choose your family. You don't get to choose the person you're sitting next to today. They're your brother, and they're your sister. And weirdly, they might be your wife and husband. Legal adoption, Ephesians 1.5. God predestined us to be adopted. Ephesians 1.5, predestined us to be adopted. How many of you know what the legal version of adoption is? As if they were your parents. You have all the rights as if they were your birth parents. That's it, done. Adoption is a one-time event. You don't get unadopted. You just get adopted. And each one of us, because of the blood of Jesus and because of the cross, are adopted. Every single one of us, whether you know it or not. Heavenly Father is your father. And you've been adopted into the family. How exciting is that? By the blood of Jesus. And when you come to a recognition, a knowledge, and you say, Jesus, I want to be part of this family, adoption takes place. And what does adoption mean? Firstly, you get a new name. How many know you have a new name? Your last name changes. It changes from what you used to think it was to what God says it is. A couple names that God has for you. You have quite a long name, believe it or not. So Kerry has Kerry, righteous, pure, holy, justified, as if she's never sinned, awesome, apple of my eye, most beautiful princess. It goes on. It's quite a long name. You don't want to put it in your email address. But that's what God says of Kerry. When she got her new name, she got a new name that said she's righteous, she's holy, she's justified, she's, a, she's full of peace, she's the apple of my eye, she's the most beautiful thing on the planet. That's the name she has, it doesn't change. And if someone keeps saying that over you and over you and over you, you know what you start to do? You start to believe it yourself. And so when you were adopted, you moved from being a slave, someone who works in the family, to being a son, someone who belongs in the family. So no longer is it transactional. You can't twist God's arm transactionally. All you can do is be in a relationship with him. Matthew 7, 11, ask as a son. Read that in that, in that verse. Ask as a son. It doesn't say ask as a good church person, ask as a religious person. Ask as a son. What does that mean? It means this. Dad, I know you've got money in your bank and I am not afraid to come to you and say, I need. Because there is no shame in asking when you're a son. The, the thing that would hurt me the most is if my kids felt shame in asking me for something. And there is no shame in asking the Father for your needs this morning. In fact, the worst thing you can do is not ask him. There's no shame in sitting down and saying, God, I need you. Like, I can't do this on my own. There's no shame in that. God isn't going to slap you around and say, you should have grown up by now. Because God is the provider. And that's what dads do. 
Dads never stop providing till the day they die. As I said, the ticket price just gets bigger. Hebrews 13.5, and we sung, I deliberately chose some songs that have in it all of these elements. And he says this, Hebrews 13.5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'm never going to leave you. Now, as much as my kids want to run to the other ends of the world away from us, they can run, but they can't hide. The fact is, is that the love of the Father always goes wherever you are. Why? Because you take it inside you. The love of the Father is resident in you. The Father's love is not geographical. The Father's love is internal. And wherever you go, you always take the weather with you, so they say. So let's think about this thing. So God's relationship, provision, security. But more than that, Heavenly Father is DNA. Because you were created in the image of the Father. Did you know that you have the Father in you? This is what we call the mystery I love this, uh, these scriptures that says he is in us in Corinthians and Colossians 2. It says that he is in us and we are in him. Right now you are in the Father. I know this is kind of like a weird concept, but you are in the Father. But the Father is in you. It's interesting about your kids. There is something, up, there's a part of you that is inside your kids. Did you know that? They can't get away from it. It probably worries them badly. I, when I walk, it's funny. Let me tell a quick story. How did I meet Johnny Irish? Johnny Irish. Oh, I call him Irish. Um, my, I grew up and my mum and dad used to talk about the Beggs family. And I always grew up knowing about the Beggs family, never met them. They were my parents and, and Johnny's parents were friends. In fact, my dad used to tell a story of how Johnny had had an accident at a young age and my dad had put him on a motorcycle and driven him to the hospital and saved his life. And I grew up with these stories of this guy called Johnny Beggs. Anyway, God does these weird things. And eventually I come to this church and Steve asked me to go and play audition for the band, which I did. And as I walked down this road, Johnny was standing here. And, as he, and he looked at me and he said, was your dad Len Betts? Well, I nearly fell off, off the floor. Yeah, how do you know? He said, because you walk just like him. And he saw my dad in me before he even knew that I was Dave Betts, that he'd grown up all his life hearing about Dave Betts, and I'd grown up about Johnny, and yet God puts us on the same stage together. But the point is, is that there's something about my dad that is resident inside me. I don't have to make it up, it just happens. I catch myself saying things that sounds just like my dad. Do anyone do that? You, and the older I get, the more I look in the mirror and go, I thought my dad was there. And my kids will always carry a part of their dad. I'm sorry, guys, but it's just the way it is. There'll always be a bit of God with you. There's always going to be a bit of the Heavenly Father God with you wherever you go. Here's the trick. The trick is this, to recognize it. Because the glory of God is inside of us doesn't go away. If you had a bad day or you, you end up doing some crazy stuff, the glory of God doesn't go away. It's always there. The key of tapping into the Father heart of God is to just stand and start to recognize that glory that is within us.
then the Bible says that that glory starts to come out and the world sees the glory of God. Because this is a relationship, not a transaction. You are adopted. You're not a slave. We don't work for God. We don't serve God. We're in relationship with God. And so we work together. Co-workers with Him. And I am no longer afraid of the displeasure of God. Brought up as a good Pentecostal, I was taught a couple things. That every day I had to confess my sin, just in case the rapture occurred. And that every time I got to breaking a bread, I needed to examine myself and make sure there was no sin I hadn't committed. Because those that, that take of the bread and the wine in an unworthy manner reap condemnation on themselves. And I was quite, quite honestly expecting to see a few people in the church drop dead as they took the breaking of bread. But this is the fear that I was brought up in in my faith. That somehow God was this big angry ogre with a big stick and Jesus was kind of standing between the Father and me, kind of pacifying God. And that is so not the picture of the Heavenly Father that the Scriptures tell us. The Scripture, the, heaven, the, the, the most wonderful Scripture I have is the story of the prodigal son. I'm off my notes, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The glorious picture is of the father that every day stands on top of his house looking for the prodigal son to return. And when he sees him from afar off, he gets down, picks up his skirt and runs towards him. That's the picture of God. But of course, the real element of that whole story was not about the the young son, but really it was all about the older son who said, but son, you've been with me all this time, but you've never recognized the love I have for you. See, the elder son only knew transaction. Serve, 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 and I get the inheritance. The younger son only knew relationship. But both got the inheritance. So which God do you love today? The God of the transaction? Or the God of the relationship? You have the DNA of God inside you. How aware are you of it? I drew this little picture, and I love it because when we first understood grace, I understood grace quite late on in my Christian walk. I wish I had preached more grace. I felt like I need to go and repent to all the guys that I was in church with for a long time. Because I started to realize that when you understand that nothing, nothing that you come from God is because you earned it. You don't receive anything from God because of earning it. So if you've had favors, good things, the first thing your ego will tell you is because you were good. It isn't because you were good. It wasn't because you read your Bible a few extra weeks or you prayed that bit harder. You see, prayer and fasting and reading the Bible are good spiritual disciplines because they help us become more aware of the God that's inside of us. And the more you become aware of the God that's inside of you, the more you trust that He can do big things. That's how it works. The more I study Carrie, the more beautiful she becomes to me, the more loving I become. But I can't, I'm not going to say to her, babe, you can kiss me more if I stop eating. Because that's absurd. So we have to understand that everything we do comes out of this place of ease. This place of acceptance already. You are already accepted. 
you are already his son, his daughter. There's nothing more to do. And that freaks us all out because our capitalistic society teaches us one thing. In order to get, we must do. But thank God he's not a capitalist. And so finally, what does dad mean? Dad means devoted to you, attentive at all times, and absolutely delighted. Devoted to you, attentive at all times, and absolutely delighted. Can we stand? Just close your eyes for a moment. Just stand. Just be aware of Holy Spirit's presence in the room. You know what? It's Just as I'm talking, just close your eyes and think through this. How do I see God? Are there still elements of the transactional God in my life and in my theology, in my thinking? Is there still a sense of work? Is there still a sense of needing to prove something? Has it crept in insidiously into my thinking? Father, I just pray for all of us for a fresh revelation of the Father's love. A fresh revelation of Dad, who's delighted, attentive, and devoted. God, I pray for every one of us that's come from religious backgrounds, that's forced us into some form of transaction. I pray you help us break those things. But if there are people here this morning and you have never experienced the love of Christ in the way. You've never even thought of God. Maybe you've only seen him as the angry Father Christmas. I invite you to come on a journey with me to experience the loving Father today. Has no conditions other than this. Just acknowledge me. Run into my arms. Be like that prodigal son. And say, I've got to the bottom and there's nowhere else to go. I choose to run back to the Father. Some of us need to run. Father, just come and just brood over us today.